0: I remember the night (laughs) that uh, Loot launched quite well.
1: This is Ticklish. He is an incredible writer and artist and one of the top creators of fantasy stories inside the Loot universe.
0: There was a sort of a heads up like, oh, oh, Darm Hoffman's going to release like a new sort of experimental thing. It was a free mint, as they say, so you don't have to pay anything other than the transaction fees. And, And I remember seeing that happen and like, oh, yeah, that looks kind of fun. And then I think I watched an episode of Better Call Saul and then it came back to my <laughs> computer and then it was all minted out and suddenly worth uh, thousands of dollars. <laughs> so, ah, and that was Loot.
1: Welcome to Greatness, a Loot podcast series. I'm Paul McNally. And through this series, we are going to dig into the history of Loot, the exciting projects it creates, its capacity to expand, and the future for the community going forward. We pick up our conversation with Ticklish, where he's talking about how he finally managed to enter the Loot universe.
0: So things had kind of settled down and were relatively established, I suppose, by the time I caught wind of the Open Quill Project, uh, which was Tim Shell's and a loot heroes initiative to populate the sort of world of loot with some some fiction the interesting thing about loot of course it's this it's text based which is quite rare in the nft realm which is very heavily image centric and the nft realm is not I, I don't think I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here where it, it, it's, it doesn't really seem to be a thing for readers. I think that is still loot's kind of secret source. It's the thing which people tend to miss, but like it, it's text. It's, you've, you've got to picture something in your mind to understand what it is you are seeing.
1: There are a lot of big NFT projects that have done creative stuff before, but for Ticklish, loot felt different. It had a large fund of royalty money which had been gifted to the community and there was a respect for the written word baked into the whole project.
0: So I saw the call go out. I think I was one of the very first... I, I, was, I was on it this time <laughs> and applied within minutes and uh, got the ball rolling and started looking through many of the, the Loot Realms world because they had a map. and you know, If you're going to write fantasy, traditionally you start with a map. And then looking at the relationships, which of course have all been generated, you know, there's no, there's no human hand really in a lot of what the the loot realms are. Um, but you know, you can you can divine pattern in noise. So it was great fun looking like oh, there's this little cave here that's part of the crypts and caverns project. You know, another thing that's been sort of bolted on. And like, oh, and that seems to be in like the border region between this area and that area, and then there is a loot bag placed nearby. And like, okay, well, that's a story. The open quill originally was about the Genesis era of the loot lore, which which took took a while for me to wrap my head around because I'd missed what the Genesis project was and how that was kind of like straightening the slinky. Like you've got all these loot items all jumbled up in all the loot bags. Then Genesis Project was like, well, let's let's put them in order. Let's let's pick all the objects out and, and make a, a clean bag. And these are like the the real legends of this world, who, like, in most of the story which hasn't been written are dead or gone or, you know, myths. They've become myths and legends. So it kind of encourages a sort of a really grandiose gods and monsters sort of take on it. So the groundwork of the fact that there were these sixteen orders, though what an order was wasn't really understood, and the idea that the the loot items are sort of passed from person to person before they end up where they end up, and that at some point all the kind of Genesis adventurers are all going to end up on like a floating city in a kind of Uh, uh, Ben Elton star arc kind of situation. They're all going to leave and leave the dying world and there's going to be a big disaster. So the stories that are to be written are about these characters who are going to make big waves, but then their entire world is going to get washed away in a kind of Noah's flood.
1: From this base, Ticklish said about writing stories of his own, there was prize money involved, But he says the main motivator for him was how much fun it was to find these stories in these established structures.
0: A lot of thought been put into structure and some into timelines and stuff, but not into like characters, like who who is doing what to whom. And, you know, that's, that's the fun stuff. That's the meat. So I got writing quite quickly and I think um, in the first round of stories I had about three and I encouraged some friends of mine to also write uh, and it became quite quickly quite a fun little writing club. It's certainly a good motivation to know that there's there's money in what you do that's... Uh that's not just flattering but also incredibly it make, can make you incredibly tenacious there's a lot of pride and interest in being at the sort of the forefront of not quite a new medium but certainly a new form of publishing the appeal to me of loot is, is quite a lofty one. The culture at large has reached a sort of saturation point where you've got sort of these monoliths um, not really giving much ground, writing laws to suit themselves, and the idea of having a sort of zine-like space, a sort of anarchist idea of, hey, you can just write things and we can enjoy them, but there also being money in it is, is just, I've, you know, I've never encountered that <laughs> anywhere in my life. And I, I, I imagine it will continue to be rare, in the world, so the we're in a sort of possibly innocence right now, where like oh, we can just like put stories onto the blockchain, and they might outlive, uh, you know, the English language, maybe. Uh, you know, you, you can't. The 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 ephemeral nature of zines sort of embraces the fact that this will all be dust. But then the kind of um, I don't know the <laughs> the, the tech. Uh, fear of death has uh, um, made something quite unusual,
1: something possibly unique. The early days of the internet essentially promised that every piece of content that you uploaded would be there forever. But that hasn't actually been the case.
0: The internet's just a graveyard of like broken links and and unfinished stuff and lonely suicides. Like, you know, it was a hell of a thing to sort of come up in that, early promise of what do we, again, what do we call it, like uh, forums, like web 1.0 and for it to be so thoroughly crushed and then for it to suddenly open up again in this completely unexpected area of like cryptocurrency. It's a, uh, yeah, <laughs> strange, you know, interesting times. So we must enjoy them. So I started with a very simple story, kind of a King Solomon's minds idea of there's like some adventurers. Loot is always all about adventurers, you know a word that has a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, connotations, uh, not all good. So you've got two adventurers and they're stuck in a cave and there's an unseen force tormenting them. And because I'm <laughs> also a biologist, I quite like writing about biological things. So uh, I thought it would be fun as a kind of uh, a way to use magic to communicate at a distance, which is something I hadn't really seen before, is to like marshal little creatures, little cave ants, which exist. There are these blind yellow cave ants that are in Argentina, I think. Um, and using those to spell out a message. So it just, as soon as that pops into your head, just like, are the ants are sending messages? And that's just, from that phrase, kind of put that in this fantasy setting. Look on the map. Where would it happen? And you go look around this the, the, the realm's map. I'm like, well, there's a cave here. Okay, where is that cave? That cave is in something called the realm of vitriol. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Nobody knows. All right, okay. Realm of vitriol. I guess those are kind of bad guys. They sound like kind of bad guys. <laughs> Then there's the fun of well why are these people in this cave? What are they looking for? And what kind of fun magical items, loot items, can you give them? And um you know I don't I don't play a lot of the games from which I feel loot draws from. I'm not a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons directly. I don't really like that genre of games and adventure, so the idea of, of a loot item just like Making you better in combat is just not only like, just not an idea. My mind goes towards. I don't like to think of these things in gaming terms, except for comedy. I did write a whole <laughs> audio drama, epic, which used those kinds of things, but only as as a as a punchline. If this is going to be a, a serious sort of story, then I put some thought into like. What are interesting things that a hat can do for you?
1: Ticklish is preoccupied with this idea of an upvolt. It's a term from animal behavior borrowed from psychology. And it asks, what is your personal sensory experience? Your
0: sensory experience can only really be informed by your sensory apparatus. So the fact that you are a human whose eyes are about up here and they're forward facing and you've got two of them and they can see in three colours and they have a small area of focus means that you see the world in a certain way. It means that you're obsessed with faces and you're obsessed with things that are at about your eye level and you disregard things that are below you and you don't look up because your neck doesn't move that way easily. And so that informs quite a lot of the human experience, just like what, how your eyes are built. So my kind of philosophy of loot items is like, okay, if you can put something into your sensory experience that alters it, then that sort of makes you a different kind of animal. And all the characters are at some sort of journey of becoming a different being, thanks to their use of these items. So <laughs> you're in a cave. What are you doing? You're looking for something. Okay, you've got a hat that, that can find things. That's cool. Oh, but they're stuck. And why do they want to find things? Oh, well, maybe they've got some gloves that can make things that, okay, what does that mean? You can think of it in like a gamey way that they would get like a bonus to construction or something But like, what would it actually mean if you were wearing some some things over your hands? You now become a master craftsman, right? But then like, well, you can't just become a master craftsman, you have to sort of know things. And so what the gloves must be doing is giving you some sort of information that you don't have access to you have a you have a new sense so these guys are coming down to find some some precious metal which is a resource that's mined in the in the realms game but then i guess being able to work with that might be quite difficult so having a sensory up on that would not only change the products we're able to make but probably change like everything you touched once you're wearing these things would maybe give you some kind of feedback and so you try and think of a character who has this kind of like ultra sensitivity to materials and they'd probably be I don't know maybe a bit difficult to to deal with it might be a bit a bit mean I don't know a bit a bit spiky just thinking of the power sets you now get two characters you've got a character who can find things well if you can find things you're never lost so you're probably quite cheerful you're probably quite optimistic and if your character can make make things because I get lost all the time I would love to Remember the day I, I first bought a smartphone, it's like now I will never be lost again. <laughs> it felt like a it felt like getting an upgrade. If you could always know where things are, I yeah, imagine you'd be quite nice to be around. <laughs> but then if you always knew the actual worth and potential of anything you held, you might be kind of a sourpuss. And now you've got an odd couple. <laughs> so you've got an odd couple and I mean, they're a couple couple that's kind of fun they're in a quite a, a stressful sort of imagine them like waiting at an airport they're trapped in a cave and that kind of thing of like your flight's delayed and you're in like a little holding area it's all close and hot I'm like, oh they'd probably be sort of on the verge of quite a nasty fight so now what's going to spur them into make this fight you know interesting enough to make a short story about well someone's going to get killed and if these ants sparing out this message, you're going to be goading them and like, well, who's goading them and why? So anyway, trying to solve all those problems in the context of like, it's happening in the northern hemisphere of this world in this cave, which is near these landmarks in the realm of vitriol, but on the border of the realm of, um, oh, I forget what the other realm was, but yeah, now you have a sort of structure to all these characters. So, I wrote that story out. Um, it was quite simple. You never really found out who was the mastermind who was goading this character, Avanesh into to murdering his husband. But I liked it so much. I thought, you know, well, next step. Let's just see what they're up to. How that, how the day went for them. Cause these are separate forum posts. So you can't really assume that anybody's read the last one. You also, also want to let people sort of spot connections between things which aren't explicit. So when I, started writing other stories using the same characters, not necessarily naming them, but saying that these events had happened. Um, That's like, that's a fun writing exercise. And, you know, it's sort of, it's aimed at quite a specific audience of the people who are also writing stories, who are also on this forum, some of which have some prize money to give.
1: Ticklish reckons these factors create the ideal conditions to write a lot of stories. By the end of it, he had written nine. And since then, he has been editing them down to put in a book.
0: The character who's on the other side of this terrible cavern ends up becoming my favourite character. And, you know, just trying to explain how they're doing this thing with the ants takes some doing. But once I've keyed into this idea of the loot items affecting sort of sensory perception, it becomes a fun puzzle to solve. Mind control, that's sort of a, an established trope. And you think okay what is it how do you control a mind and you know i'm not a neuroscientist but i i know a, i know a little bit i know a little bit about neuroscience like okay so if you can <laughs> control the flow of ions in individual neurons or to certain sections of the brain well then you can kind of make a nervous system do things that's sort of a that's you can sort of do magic okay magic can control the flow of ions okay They've got a special magic thing that can do that. I'm like, well, if you can control the flow of ions to a nervous system, you can probably do that to other things. The sea is a flow of ions. You know, the the root system under the ground is a a network of exchanges of saltiness. If you could sense and manipulate ions, you might be able to, you know, control the aurora borealis. You know, you start getting into kind of Marvel territory of... (laughs) You know, Iceman can turn to ice. Huh, it could probably do quite a lot with that. (laughs) And so each story becomes a kind of new invention of, you go from like, how could someone make some ants do something amusing to like, "Mm, they're probably a sort of godlike Satan.
1: (laughs) He decided early on that he doesn't like the idea of the Tolkien fantasy races. He finds it all pretty unpleasant.
0: The loot world is um, big enough, so I'm not going to mention elves. But, you know, someone else can, and that's, you know, that's fine. It's all allowed. Each story or set of stories becomes a sort of hypothesis. And because loot is so stark and abstract, there isn't really a way to falsify this. There's no no authority, you know, by design to say, well, uh, just there's goblins. Like maybe there's goblins, there are mentions of goblins in some of the loot items, but are goblins real? Are goblins mythological? Are goblins a sort of unpleasant racial term? Are goblins uh, a kind of watch? Do as you will, do as thou mayest. So that becomes fun because you're looking over the shoulder of everybody else. You're like, ah, you sort of define your own interpretation of these black squares with eight lines of text on them in collaboration and opposition. To others
1: and that brings us quite neatly to the concept of the actual loot bags
0: you know something which which never really got defined amongst anyone's stories like what okay what is a loot bag <laughs> why are there these bags they're too there's there's too much in them right you can't fit a whole suit of armor in a bag you know is it made of cloth is it you know there's no drawings of it there's no it's just it's just a, and of course it's a pun right it's a bag it's, a, it's, it's like holding a bag of assets so looking to what, other pe- what how other people were approaching that was really interesting. There was another story called um, A Cruel Fate, which, you know, had a, a fairly logical assumption that, well, you'd have all these armies go out. If there are these bags which are full of cool stuff, you would have people who would make it their lives work, or you'd have organisations who would make it their lives work, work to go and get them, surely. It wouldn't all just be little bands of adventurers stumbling across it. Once the cat's out the bag, you go get them. So they wouldn't be the only game in town. So to me, the idea of there being these 16 orders, well, these are just the 16 organizations that want to hoard all the loot. And that instantly sets up kind of dynamics. So now a character can be belonging to one organization or another organization. And now maybe they have, they've been, because they're an order, it sort of has this religious connotation. Like, okay there's like these monastic orders around you know it's it's so kind of crypto isn't it like a little bit, like a monastic order dedicated to the accumulation of things is that good is that that doesn't sound good to me they've got all this incredibly powerful magical stuff I think these are the baddies that also leads to the idea that when you look at the the realms map which of course is a game map So all the players all belong to an order and, well, they all occupy a realm. So all realms are part of an order. And, you know, the thing with maps is that they are inherently a political statement. Surely not the entire surface of the globe is under the chokehold of these weird religious cults. You know, someone must just be getting on with it somewhere else. (laughs) And the fact that there are now these communities of demons and other stories who seem to not care about these... Uh, you know, they treat the loot items very casually. They're just their stuff. You know, they're, they're... There's, a, there's a story about like a butter knife being used, which is a, you know, a terrible uh, world ending sword in the hands of a human. But, you know, <laughs> it's it's such a human thing to want to use a butter knife as a weapon. It implies that, okay, I don't think this map is accurate. I think there are loads of places where the orders do not have power, but they pretend that that isn't the case.
1: Other than the published book that Ticklish mentioned earlier, the tech-based storage solution for the stories is on Tim Shell's Pendium app. We spoke to Tim Shell in the previous episode and his app is at Pendium.xyz. This is where the stories are inscribed on chains. They become attached as text to a specific block on the Ethereum blockchain, so they can theoretically be accessed and read through the website as a front-end. Or even if the site decays into nothing, one day the stories will still be there on the blockchain.
0: Then there is a a more recent development where these stories are all now being fed to a um, a large language model in order to sort of auto-generate hypotheticals to what, else may be going on in in the world of loot and that's all mainly happening right now on the loot discord and so some of the characters in other stories have been reincarnated as chatbots um, that you can you can ask questions to
1: so what does ticklish think is the reason for all of loot's success
0: I think it just comes down to this mix of personalities that happen to be in the right place at the right time with command of the loot Dow. Um, and uh, consensus was reached that this would be uh, you know, on brand and, frankly, pro-social way to spend that money. I mean... Um, you know, in the it's 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 not news that um, a lot of NFT projects can appear suddenly, you make an ungodly amount of money, and then disappear. Um, I suppose it just does take certain mix of people to say, "Hey, rather than put all this money into an offshore account, maybe some of it can be used to make something new." <laughs> Uh, using the theming of the NFT as a as a as a starting point,
1: and as loot is always growing, new people can contribute to loot by writing their own stories.
0: There's the Explorers Tribune, which is in a very lavishly and lovingly illustrated offshoot of loot called Loot Explorers, and the Explorers Tribune is an in-universe periodical that will appear in your hideout, a sort of uh, airdropped NFT that is connected to your Loot Explorer character. And, yep, soliciting for short stories, um, a thousand words in length, the winners of which will be given a a small cash prize in a stable coin put on chain and published into the official Explorers Tribune. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, There'll be about three stories each issue. Go looking for the Loot Explorers on Twitter and on Discord.
1: Lastly, Ticklish has a very exciting Loot-related project coming out later in the summer.
0: I'm working on a audiobook version of the, the Open Quill stories. Uh, we've recorded a lot of that. We've got some funding for that through um, through GitHub, through Gitcoin. And that will be being released very shortly um, in to the summer and you'll get some lovely professional actors reading out these stories for the consumption of the public that's going to break into <laughs> break into the world of podcasting and audio dramas as well.
1: Thanks very much for listening to Greatness, a Loop podcast series. I've been Paul McNally. You can find more information about the series at our website looppodcast.xyz. See you next time.